All right, welcome back to the Baron of Beverage. I'm here once again with our uh, good friend Christopher Rodovi from the Whiskey Room. Good afternoon. We're here on a beautiful uh, summer afternoon uh, coming up on, is this number four? This is number four. Number four of, the, of our series, Best Tasting Whiskeys on Earth. Um, and actually, this one uh, has brought <laughs> a little bit of a controversy for the two of us. So, in not in terms of the actual whiskey, but in terms of what was number four. So, yeah, I think our assumption, both of ours, I want to say, Chris, our assumption was that number four was the Macallan 12-year-old exclusively matured in sherry oak cast from Spain in European oak. Correct. That, that was my thought. Because of the following reasons. One, uh, it's been it's that's been kind of their standard bearer since inception they didn't start doing things other than sherry until 2004 2004 is what i saw yeah Yeah. so i mean they they were probably putting it in before then but they weren't releasing anything until 2004 because as we all know it takes time in the barrel um so uh but that was our assumption and that was what we went and then i get a lovely text from chris today that said I'm not sure if they mean the single malt 12 that we just talked about or the single malt 12 double cask where you uh, they're bringing together their sherry and uh, American oak, uh, European oak and American oak together. Yeah. And so the picture actually has three right, different it, Macallans. They list, the, they list the three primary, well, the two primary types and then this one, the fine oak series, the sherry and then this double cask is in their picture. And then in the way they talk about it, they 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 highlight and feature the double oak. As in, that's what they link you to, that's what you... And if one looks back at the history of the post, all the ones they had linked to were the ones that they were that featuring. That they're talking about, yeah. However, it, to my mind, Chris, this was just released in 2016, yeah. last year. There's no way in the world this could be the number four on the list in a year. Probably up not. Up against all the other competition. Yeah. Given the story and the history and the way we're talking about it. it. To my mind, it has to be the original, so to speak, 12-year. And, 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 like, and, and that was both of our ori- original uh, reactions. Yeah. But I wasn't sure, so that's why I texted. And so because Chris texted and because, you know, there aren't entirely blue laws here in the state of Maryland... Uh, I was able to procure uh, a bottle of the double cask. So we'll actually do a double uh, tasting today. Fantastic. Um, and, and maybe talk a little bit about these two differences as well. Um, but, I mean, like, I'm sure the Baroness is going to say I really didn't need another single malt in the collection. Um, but, um, sorry, honey. Uh, anyway... Without further ado, let's talk about the Macallan uh, a little bit. You can pour, um, and I'll I'll tell my little bits, and you can tell yours. Uh, recently, we talked about the Glenlivet being the original. Uh, 1824 it was the first. Uh, so the Macallan was not the first, but it also uh, got its license in 1824. So it was one of the first. Yes. Um, very you know very long early on after the. Uh, Excise uh, Act of 1823. And we're going to start with the uh, the, the sherry. We're going to start 12. with the sherry, correct? Figuring that's the the longer one, and and um, you know I know it's wrong to make assumptions, but I, I in this case I really think our assumption is correct. Uh, it has to be. Um, 
but uh, you know they they were known basically for the sherry, and they were a late comer to single malt uh, releases. Yeah, they were. The uh, the twelve made its way uh, out of Europe in 1978 uh, to America. Anyway, I'm not mm-hmm. sure if it went elsewhere before that, but it came over to America in 1978. Um, at the time, it was 100 uh, percent Golden Promise sing, uh, uh, malted barley. That's their that's that, their proprietary kind of uh, barley. Strain. Correct, and it, that started in 1968, and at one point, actually, was 90 percent of the Scotch market was using just that. Since then, they've engineered all kinds of new stuff. Uh, the Macallan is still using around 10% Golden Promise, but it's apparently too expensive to use as their primary uh, because it doesn't yield as much, right. even though it's hardy to grow well right. in Scotland. The other distiller I've been told that uses some of his Ben Romain. I believe that's what I saw. Um, and But it's supposed to be what gives it a, give, had given their uh, single malt a, a bigger, fuller, creamier kind of feel in yeah. the mouth. Um, so they didn't want to get away from it completely, uh, for sure, because it would change their identity. And McAllen, uh, actually, leading, in, leading into this, I did a, a lot of random extra research and found out McAllen does a lot of things different in their basic process that I had not heard of. At one point in time, they were using five different yeast strains. Mm-hmm. Now they're only using two. Yep. Um, but that's pretty rare. Uh, they have another uh, rare relationship in that in that their barrels um, that they originally did all sherry, as we talked about, um, they actually, the barrels are made to Macallan specs, not to the sherry company's specs, which is sort of inverse for most things. But they had that relationship that, at least for the last, uh, sounds like for 100 years at least, uh, the company down there in Spain is using barrels that were designed specifically to Macallan specs. They use Spanish oak because it's more porous and breathes, which they think adds a, a nice nuttier flavor. Um, it's really interesting stuff about McAllen and how they do it. They, they really pride their location. Um, they are Speyside, but their source is not the River Spey. It's a, it's a spring on the property, and everything's pumped up. Mm-hmm. I'm sure Spey has some, you know, input on it, connection to it. But, but they're not directly taking from mm-hmm. it. And uh, they're really proud of that. They're, they call, it's one of their six pillars of who they are is their, their location, their European oak. They have really small stills. Yeah, their small stills is kind of unique, <clears throat> given that that you know production level, and so they've actually had to increase. They used to originally they just had two. Yeah. Uh, now they have. Uh, well, last I read they had twenty one, but they also were building a brand new distillery. It's supposed to open sometime this year. Yeah. I don't know if it will. You know, construction goes. Maybe it's supposed to open sometime this year. Maybe it'll open early next year. But then they're going to move all production. Yeah. That that was what I had read was twenty one uh, small stills. Which uh, they have. Now, here's a strange contradiction in distilling. They have these small stills because they want to limit the amount of time that the spirit is in touch with the copper. However, they distill at a much lower temperature to increase the amount of time the spirit has with the copper. So it, it, it's a give and take to get it. They want an oily profile, right. they want a light spirit, but they want that heavier. Uh, right. Nest to it. And they, they talk about only using 16% the finest cut yes. for this. Now, I'm I'm no uh, I, I, I'm, I'm not saying I know this is a fact. I'm just saying it's hard for me to leave, believe the other 84% is just thrown into the ground. <laughs> you know, it's kind of like my, when uh, my wife read the recipe that started with the rendering bacon and then it, 
after you rendered the bacon in the pot, the instructions were discard bacon. And she was like, discard bacon in my mouth. Um, <laughs> because I can't imagine they just throw that out. I'm thinking, and I don't know this, maybe I'll have to check some of my sources, but I'm thinking the finest cut is what goes into their single malt because they just are still used in a lot of blends. Yes, they and are. I think that 84% is gone off into blending houses. In fact, I learned yesterday that they're in some blends I did not know they were in. Like, I knew they were in Famous Grouse. I knew, uh, but I had no idea they were in Cuddy Sark because I can't drink Cuddy Sark personally. But I have to approach it again now that I know my calendar's in it. Maybe, uh, maybe, maybe, maybe it'll bring something out to Maybe me. it will. But that or maybe it's recycled into it. Because I know that some distilleries will do that with their with their their ends and options to try okay. to get more out, but I don't know. It's not discussed. I do know that they have one of the I'm smallest sure takes. Money off it oh, I'm sure they have one of the smallest takes though in the industry yeah. in that respect. Mm-hmm. Um, they also always are very big on they. Even though uh, we discussed how recent, I think we touched on very briefly recently how in. Uh, in the Scotch whiskey industry there in Scotland, they have approved that you can put additional coloring in uh, in small amounts and certain kinds. Uh, they pride themselves at the Macallan for not adding any artificial color. Yeah. So let's let's talk about the color of the one that's in our glass since we're on that. Well, it is a beautiful, um, deep, I, I'd say it's almost as deep an amber you can get before you just flat out hit, hit brown. I mean, it is a beautiful... It's a golden promise. I'm sorry, a golden. It's a golden promise. <laughs> no, you know, yeah, I agree with you. It is so close to amber without me. Some might call it amber. Yeah. Because there is brown. There is a very deep, uh, golden kind of orangey yellow. Really beautiful. It, it looks almost like the dark portions of a tiger's eye. You know, the tiger's eye gemstone. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's, it's gorgeous. And the nose, I've been smelling the nose since you poured it a little bit, immediately comes across with dried fruit and um, dried fruit. A little spiciness. Yeah. You know, dried raisin, black currants. It is um, a subtle aroma, too. It's not a big pow on your yeah. aroma. It's very true. There is a complexity there in the aroma that is very subtle versus overwhelming. For ones I've tasted before, Chris, um, it's uh, it's got some sweetness, some spiciness, definitely dried fruit. It actually, the the front of the palate was kind of weak. And all came on in the mid and the back palate for yeah. me. I agree with that. Um, it does not bite the front of your mouth. It comes in your tongue. It comes in your back, your cheeks, your jaws, your throat. It has a, a nuttiness that I'm you definitely, well, for me, I, anyway, I'm definitely getting a, a nut from the Spanish oak and from the, um, the sherry. Uh, there, there is an incredible smoothness. Which I guess is that smaller column that they're talking about. Yeah, the stills. It definitely has a very full mouthfeel. I get the tannins actually on the sides of my mouth uh, from the cherry casks as well. And the fruit is not quite as much dry as it almost comes across berry-like in the in the center. Um, could be like dried berries, you know, but you know these days they dry anything. Yeah, you know, buy it at Trader Joe's, you know. And you get more, um, well, I get more of the spiciness that was on the aroma once it's in your mouth. 
You definitely yes. feel, like you were saying, allspice, and um, I don't want to say Christmas spices, but it, my mouth right now feels like... I get like clove, an, definitely Yeah, clove. cloves and, and uh, all those things you want to smell at Thanksgiving, except for pumpkin. I don't get any pumpkin, no, but I get everything no, else. No pumpkin, no. It's like the spice without the pumpkin spice that's probably going to be at your local Starbucks tomorrow, because, <laughs> you know... Every, it's August. <laughs> that's right, you know. I heard the Halloween candy's already out, God forbid. I've seen it, actually. There's a bit of honey, but it is mostly a spicy flavor, dried fruit, like you were saying, uh, cloves. Yeah, that sweetness for me comes across as more fruity than honey, but maybe honey fruit or whatever. But it's, you know, it's it's solid and, and damn smooth. You're right. Now we're going to do our cap pull as we always do. Now, I, I kind of uh, regret that I didn't pour with as heavy a hand as I did last time. So I don't know if I'm going to do a full cap. All right. That's all right. I know you have, have a fondness two, in your so. heart, so... Yes, we have two, so we don't want to overdo our palates. Thank you. Well, now the palate on... I mean the palate. The nose on this one is a little more caramel, and... And I get less... Less of the fruit on this nose. Yeah, there's a shift to uh, more of a wood flavor. You mentioned caramel. You almost hear a little vanilla, but not really. It's on, it, but something towards that color is what I'm trying to describe. Oh, the air conditioners are off. And the water takes away a lot of the spice on the flavor, too. Um, it's a... Uh, it does. It, it, well, we've said this before in the other tastings, it, it mutes the flavor. Um, it has opened up some new ones that are kind of like... Uh, it's a little more grassy now. Yeah, you know, it, it's gone earthy. As the wind chimes pick up. Yeah. That's the joy of the outdoors. Mm. Yeah, I think one of my early podcasts, I was sitting outside with... Um, with Joe Satava, and I was like, man, sipping whiskey outside on a warm day, I never thought I'd enjoy it. This is really nice. Thank you. Yes, it is nice. For ordering up this weather. Oh, I did everything I could for it, I swear. But, uh, no, it's, I'll be honest with you, this is one of the few we've done with the cap that I don't like both. My preference is for the uh, other. The and, neat. And that's uh, unusual for me, because I generally like my scotch with some water in it or on a rock, um, you know, a big one, so it doesn't dilute it right away. Uh, this, uh, and this comes across almost more tannic and more drying on the finish. Yeah, on the finish, but not on the, the, the first initial Correct. grab. Correct. But you're right. Um, yeah. This definitely would be one of the first times that it, I don't, I didn't get opening the way they always say. You know what I mean? The way the sellers always yeah. tell you, put a little water well, to taste. Well, and I, I, I had the pleasure, uh, if, if you've been listening, Chris, I don't know if you have been, uh, doing a brief interview with David Stewart from the, the Balvenie recently. And um, uh, when he was speaking, not on the podcast, he was talking about uh, he always drinks water in his whiskey. Yeah. Well, and, and that's, you know, I, I've been to many scotch tastings, well, whiskey tastings in general, but scotch tastings with you and with other friends, and generally speaking, most of the presenters tell you to do that. 
and the few uh, distilleries I've been to, they tell you to do it. Um, so we're going to pour the uh, Macallan double cask, 12-age. Right. So let's talk about what makes the double cask different while you do that, Mr. Well, they have, uh, it's matured in, uh, my understanding of it is they actually have two different stems aging. All right. Uh, yeah, one in American I'll, I'll, you, you, and one in... Right. So they get American oak and they ship it over to that uh, cooperage you talked about that they, you know, develop. Yeah. That's part of one of their pillars. So they ship the American oak over there and they've been doing that since they started the fine oak series. Yeah. Okay. So that, uh, th that American oak is Fit, made into the barrels, and then what they do is they fill them with Oloroso sherry. They only use Oloroso sherry for all of their all of their uh, sherry casts to get. So then they use a minimum of two years of Oloroso sherry in the American uh, oak casks, and the same with a minimum of two years in the uh, European oak. That's the standard which we just tasted. Um, but as you said, they, they will gravitate towards that because it's more porous. The American oak, not as porous, so not as much gets in. But it's still, it's kind of they season it with the with the uh, Oloroso sherry for two years minimum. And then they empty them out, let them dry, and then they get shipped up to, uh, you know, Scotland where they're, out, they're actually in... Is, aren't they located in Glenkinchy, Moray? I'm not sure. Yeah, but in the Highlands. They're in the Highlands. And they, um, and they, uh, no, it's Craigalachi. So, uh, and so they get shipped over to Craigalachi, and that's where they fill them with whiskey. And as you said, 12 years separately. So it's like two stems. They've got the kind we just drank going along for 12 years, and then you got the kind of those Amer new American oaks seasoned with sherry, emptied, dried, and then filled with the McAllen, uh 16% cut or whatever. Yeah. And, and then 12 years later, they blend the two together. They're now, together. of course, they're not going to tell you if it's 50-50 or 42-58 no. or 12 and, you know, whatever. But, yeah, I'm, you know, it, the, the idea is to try and blend the two types of flavors into one spirit. Yeah. And it was actually, I'm glad you mentioned it though. It is new American oak. They're not using once used bourbon. Not ex bourbon. Which a lot of. Which is something are. they do in their fine oak series. And their, yeah, their fine oak series they do, but not in this one. This Correct. one is, is virgin American oak that held sherry, Spanish sherry. First. Basically, it's like they're doing the process they've been doing for decades with the European oak at Cass, but this time using American oak and then blending the two together in the round. So, and this is my first time having this. I've not had all right. this. Cheers. Um, that's not the end of the podcast. <laughs> so, um, immediately on the nose on this one, I get more vanillas than the first one. Yeah. Like, bam, they're right there in the center core. Unlike the first one, though, I also get a bit of that um, alcohol smell, which yep. I did not have at all. Which with is the, amazing because the they're both the same percentage of proof alcohol. Yeah, they're so, both uh, 40 but, but it does yeah. it does come across with a blast of uh, a blast of alcohol at the very beginning I would agree that's why of course I'm using my open mouth technique <clears throat> there so I get cream caramel butter uh, vanilla um, I'm trying to find something you haven't named a little bit of fruit, not nearly as much as we had before on the nose of the uh, Macallan yeah, meat. does not have the, the fruity nose. Yeah, but Macallan. once you blow, get that alcohol blown off, 
there's a pretty nice complex uh, arom uh, bouquet of aromatics there. It's almost, um, I haven't tasted it, but it, the, the, the aromatics, contrary to Scott, almost have a gin-like aroma to me. Uh, yes, there's the vanilla, which you would never have in a gin, but, you know, that, that sort of botanical is what I'm digging at. So you're getting things like citrus peel, or you're getting yeah. things like, uh, um, do you get juniper or herbs, or what do you get? Like anise, almost. Anise, all right. Not, I mean, it's not like a Sambuca anise, but, you know, that, that it's in the back of my, my palate I right now. I can see that. I can totally see that. And I totally get how you get some of that uh, herbaceousness, uh, uh, which is, uh, some people uh, like to say that's a, a fancy word for grassy, but I'm sorry, it's not. No. There's a grass thing, and then there's things that are herbs, and there's things that are botanicals, like you say. And uh, I think I think I can totally see how you get a little bit of that. And, and that's what I'm getting on the mouth, too. I'll be honest. I'll be, whereas before, I felt a lot of that real, uh, I don't want to say biting spice, but a very strong spicy flavors on the regular Sherry 12. This one, to me, has that more herbal higher spiciness and by higher I'm describing where it feels in my mouth um, it's not attacking my tongue it's very much top of my palate it's very much my, my uh, outer lips uh, edges I actually am not tasting much wood considering it's in two different oaks um, and maybe that's just because this, this herby quality is really dominant right now in my mouth I don't know maybe it was what I had for lunch yeah for lunch cream of mushroom soup I'm getting like you know um, I think uh I think the first thing that hits me is that um, when it's in your mouth and you're, you know, letting it coat your whole tongue and it feels very full, very smooth, um, you don't get any of the spiciness at that point. You really just get a sweet vanilla, honey, caramel flavor that right, before you've done, before you begin to introduce alcohol uh, it, it, before you introduce oxygen into the alcohol mixture by swallowing, breathing in, and letting that air hit your palate after you swallow, that's when all of a sudden the spiciness on this one just, bam, yeah. starts to hit you. So, uh, so what do you get on the palate besides the spiciness high palate, Chris? Uh, on my second sip, um, I guess now that my mouth is acclimating, there is a creaminess to it, um, not as subtle as, let me rephrase that, not that I mean subtle, uh, not as strong a creaminess as the sherry. Uh, uh, it, there's a, a hint of, of buttery kind of things. There's not quite to marzipan, but, you know, that kind of, I'm getting more nut. It's not sweet nut. It's, it's more, not sweet nut, it, It's but it's that. It's more like roasted nut. Yeah, it's not a dessert flavor, yep. but I'm getting these kind of aromas, well, they're not aromas, but flavors on my tongue. Um Subtle dried fruit, yeah, I or, get, or perhaps I, different fruit that has been no, dried. <laughs> right. Well, but I get I get le I get dried fruit, but I don't get berries in the hints that I got at in the the all uh, European oak version, um, and I get um, a solid beam uh, across front to back in my tongue of honey, vanilla bean, and. Um, something else but at least those two and uh and then and i also get the spiciness on that and i get a little bit of like you say on the high palate not just on the tongue i get and that persists 
those two elements persist. And the spices in this is more black pepper spice, not white pepper spice. Yes. It's definitely a little more aggressive. Yeah, it has a more, more aggressive, aggressive than, the, than the first one. And I'm, I'm guessing that's the American. That's a good. That's a good bet. From the ad oak, I mean the virgin American yeah. oak. Yeah. Um, because I mean it, it produces such a dominant uh, flavor in, in in American whiskey and the bourbons mm-hmm. and things like that. So uh, I mean one of the things that I was reading about was how the you know you mentioned the, the Spanish oak is more porous and American oak isn't. So uh, oddly enough, because of that lack of breathing, it imparts more wood to it somehow, even though it doesn't penetrate as deep as quickly. Because apparently it penetrates deeper in European oak because of the porous nature of it. Hmm. I don't know. Whatever. We added water. We add, Yes, you added the cap. Oh, wow. Now, I, I haven't tasted it yet, but I'm getting like a dessertiness on the nose. It's a much more enjoyable nose than the I shirt. get like... I get like, um... Um, kettle corn. Oh, like like caramel corn. Yeah, yeah kettle corn with a little sweetness and yeah. the corny and the you know, but which you know you you normally wouldn't think of corn with a uh, single malt, but yeah, I kind of get that barley. with that. But I get that butteriness, that sweetness, and a little bit of you know cereal note. Um, yeah, a, a toasted maybe cereal. you know cuddle puff uh, cuddle kettle puffed barley. You know, I don't know. <laughs> Is that a snack? Maybe that's the new uh, treat in, in uh, Scotland. Right? Um, mm. But it didn't kill the nose like the other one. It just no. changed it. This this one I can drink with water. It, it's not off-putting. It, it's muted a little of those flavors that I had with that herbiness. It, like the other, it gets some grass notes, but um, very uh, muted grass notes. Um the spice is a little less. It may have gone more white pepper than black pepper now. It's a chewy flavor. It's funny that you say the spice is less, because I think the spice is more. And that, not it's more spicy, but the spice is more dominant in the balance of the, the whole flavor component. Okay. No. And actually, oddly enough, I mean, but no, I meant I'm agreeing with you. It's not a less, it's a more dominant flavor versus the other. I agree with you. It's not like black pepper anymore. It's more white pepper. It's a little milder pepper. But in the whole balance of the complexity of the palate, it's more prominent. It is. And, and you know, something that's different is uh, after adding the water, it actually hit the front of my mouth. Yep. Whereas pre- previously it did not. Right. It was all very much a back, yep. middle. I also think in general, as I'm too. finding... Uh, this one, the tannins are even stronger present in my mouth overall than the first one. Um, just, you know, kind of the sides of my cheeks area and stuff. It's not like drinking, you know, you know, a Chianti or something. No, it's not, no. You know, it's not like drinking, uh, you know, a, a red wine kind of tannins. But they're there. Um, and actually, I kind of like them. They're there and they're enjoyable. Yeah. So first time having the double cast, what do you think? I, 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 I well, I have no idea what uh, cost it was, so just purely on its merits, I, I, it's enjoyable. It's it's different enough. It's a it's a little bit of a premium over the 12, like probably 5 to 10 bucks. All right. It, it's definitely uh, uh, very enjoyable. It's different enough to uh, 
you know, if, if McAllen for some reason was, or, sorry, be specific, McAllen 12 Sherry for some reason wasn't in your wheelhouse and you wanted a different flavor, I could see this appealing to a lot of people. Uh, I don't see myself dropping the Sherry uh, without the company dropping the Sherry um, to switch to that. Uh, I mean, now, to be fair, I do have an emotional connection to McAllen 12 Sherry Cask. It's what we toasted with at our wedding uh, versus champagne. Uh, it, Karen and I uh, actually got it for each other for our anniversary this year. We got uh, engraved bottles uh, to each other, uh, kind of random yeah. because we're, we're nerdy that way. It is a special uh, scotch to me, a special single malt. Um, so that's got us, you know, maybe I'm not unbiased, but the uh, the double cask is certainly very enjoyable. Yeah, no, I I, I think... I mean, ultimately, I think there are a lot of uh, Scotch whiskey uh, producers that are trying to find an access or a stronger foothold in the U.S. market. Um, and I really feel that, in some ways, I can see why this might be. Somebody who's coming from, you know, the land of bourbon with more of the spiciness and the vanilla notes, there's going to be some familiarity to their palate in this whiskey versus the other. Oh, certainly. Um, and I think they might go, oh, wow, this is this is this is my you know Scotch version of what I drink. Yeah, there, there's I definitely would say there's more familiarity to uh, a bourbon kind of taste. You 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 do get more vanilla. You do get more of the wood uh, versus a regular Macallan, uh, which is a more dominant flavor in ours because we're you know aged in in American oak to get go version yeah. American oak. Um, the Sherry, though, in that oak reacts differently, clearly, than straight-up, you mm -hmm. know, bourbon. Um, and then to allow the scotch to get into it, the single malt to get into it, it's, it, it takes on a nice new flavor. Right. All right, well, let's let's cut the double cask out, because I'm more and more sure there's no way that's why this is number four. <laughs> um, just because I, there's no way enough people tried it to vote for this. People would have voted for... Um, the other, uh, and actually when you go to the actual, uh, ranker, which they pulled from, it just says the McAllen Distillery. It doesn't even have, so that's what most people would drink from the McAllen Distillery. Um, it's probably what most people think of when you say, I'll have a McAllen. It's that one. Yeah. Um, so why do we think that's number four? Well, you know, it, it is, uh, a fine uh, flavor. I, I mean, it is a it is a refined palate flavor. You know what I mean? Like, there, there is subtlety abounding in this single malt. Um, for whatever reason, you know, a lot of people consider uh, McAllen to be uh, one of the pinnacle flavors. I mean, their, their older versions are selling at auction for, you know, Thousands and thousands of dollars. Hundreds of thousands. Hundreds of, in some cases. I mean, it. I, I, I don't exactly know how it got to be that point. Um, I, I can't say if it's purely market force or purely flavor. What I would say is that the first time I had McAllen, I fell in love with it. And when I say the McAllen, I mean the 12. Um, I've only had the 18 once before. I've never had any of the older stuff because, frankly, it's way out of my price range. Um it is such a, a perfect balance, almost. I mean, there's a, it's hard to say there's perfection in anything that humans can make. But 
when, when you're talking about the subtle flavors of, of a whiskey like this. Well, I was going to say something a little bit different in terms of balance for this. One of the reasons I think this is possibly number four and where it is um, on the list is because it plays around in your palate in this place between masculinity and femininity. It, in terms of the idea which we apply those attributes towards inanimate objects. Okay. A whiskey. Meaning, there are people who talk about a Dalwini is a more feminine whiskey because it's lighter and herbal and floral and this. And they'll talk about, uh, you know, other whiskeys like, uh, I think, Mortlock, which is spicier. And, you know, yeah. like being more masculine, spicy characteristics, or if you're going to island ones, you know, smoky and peaty or whatever, more masculine traits versus feminine traits. Um, but I think that this has this, hits this place where it appeases both male and female, quote-unquote, palates. Not that, that, I'm not saying that there's a true gender thing, but if you were going to split it into those kind of things, you know, it, there's that balance of, you know, sweetness, but it has spiciness. It has, you know, a little bit of a gentleness, but it also is kind of bold, you know? Yeah. It's like, it's like, you know, like, there are people who come up, you know, and you give them a hug, and they, they're crushed. The better one is a handshake. There's people who come up and give you a handshake, and you're like, holy crap, you are just breaking every bone in my hand. And then there's the people that come up and give you, like, the little gentle handshake, and you don't even know if you really shook their hands. And then you have the people who give you a real good, firm handshake, and you're like, oh, you know, nice yeah. to meet you. And I think this fits in kind of that, you know, that, uh, for lack of, you know, for not for lack of making another analogy, you know, the, the baby bear bed. You know, for Goldilocks and the Three Bears. Just right. This one's just right. Yeah, well, I mean, and if you're even talking just the, the liquid itself, I mean, they're, they're producing uh, what they describe as a heavy liquid. It's got high oils in it, but it's got this floral component in its actual flavor. Yeah. It's very floral, it's very fruity. So yeah, I, I think you're absolutely right that when you, when, you, when you express it like that, I can't disagree with you. I think that that could be one of the reasons why. I don't know how you could not enjoy this unless you were really one of those people who all they care about is incredible peat or incredible smoke, um, which is, this is neither of those things. This is such a, a subtle, beautiful flavor. Yeah, and, and different than the other single malts we've had so far is the much stronger uh, fruit berries, dried fruit berries component. That's the, that's the most distinctive difference from the others. And the spice. I don't really feel like the Glenlivet and um, the Glenfiddich that we had had a very spicy component. Not like this. Yeah. I mean, they had spices in them, but I mean, both of us on the on the nose of the original sherry and on the flavor, we hit the spice right away. Yeah. So, yeah. So that wraps up what we think is number four. Um, we're going to meet again sooner, I hope, than later to do number three. We go back to the land of bourbon, correct, Chris? Correct. Number three is um, the Maker's Mark. Oh, the Maker's Mark. Now we're getting into the territory. <laughs> um, so, yeah, thank you, and uh, for now, cheers. Cheers. Cheers.